The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you interested in changing a part of your life? Whether it's finances, relationships, reducing stress, or just personal health, sometimes just changing a few small things can bring great rewards. Welcome to Moving Forward, Wellness One Step at a Time with Dr. Serena Wadwa. We'll provide possible steps you need to see these improvements. All we ask is that you try them out. Now, here is Dr. Serena Wadwa. All right, and welcome to today's show. We have got um, a really interesting guest on today who's going to talk about spiritual wellness. And David, it, now I know I'm not going to say this correctly, Zuniga, <laughs> is that correct? That's perfect, yeah. Oh, wonderful. Okay, <laughs> sorry. So David Zuniga, is he does have a doctorate in clinical psychology. He also has a Master of Divinity uh, from Harvard University also holds a master's degree in literature, and he is one of the first Westerners to be ordained in, and you're going to have to say this uh, order. Sure, uh, the uh, Tago lineage, yeah. Tago lineage, which is part of Zen Buddhism. Yeah. Uh-huh. Great, and so, you know, <laughs> just on that note, I mean, wow, welcome to the show. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm excited Absolutely. to be here. Well, great, great. Well, let's jump right into this, you know, because you've got like this wealth of knowledge, um, you know, based on your background in in uh, divinity and also being one of the first Westerners to be ordained in this path of Buddhism. And, you know, just from your own perspective, what what is spiritual wellness when we talk about being spiritually well? Well, it's a great question. And, and one way to talk about spiritual wellness is I think sometimes we use the term spirituality and religion interchangeably, and sometimes it's kind of confusing. What do we mean by the two? So I think sometimes when we talk about spiritual wellness, it's helpful to define spirituality, um, oh. which is to say that, um, and, you know, I am ordained as a Zen, I was ordained as a Zen priest in South Korea, and so, you know, I certainly love religiosity. Uh, sometimes it's a skillful path for people. Um, I also think atheists can be spiritual, uh, you know, which is an interesting thing to talk about. When we, when we talk about spirituality, um, there's some researchers of religion, uh, Minor Rogers. He came up with this analogy uh, that I find useful of a flame and a shield. And so initially, maybe you had these uh, teachers, Jesus or Buddha, uh, or all kinds of Moses, all these different people who had these spiritual insights. And religion, if you will, is like a shield. It's like a structure. Um, it's a hierarchy. It's an organization. It's a system of rules and philosophy and kind of systematic theology, all these things. And it's kind of a shield that protects that initial flame, that initial spiritual insight. And sometimes uh, the shield, which is religion, can 
protect it and preserve it and nurture it and allow it to grow and spread and be shared. And sometimes that shield can obscure it sometimes. And so Mm. when we talk about spirituality, what I think we're talking about is the kind of essence, um, the pure, undistilled spiritual experience. And when I think of uh, spiritual wellness, I think, and this is why I think, uh, atheism, too, can be a, a profound form of spirituality, is I think when we're talking about spiritual wellness, we're talking about relationships, we're talking about meaning, we're talking about our sense of true happiness, not sensory fleeting happiness, but true and enduring happiness, meaning-making and relationships. I think so those are some of the dimensions of spiritual wellness. So, you know, just to kind of summarize that, there, you're suggesting and saying that there are basically two ways of looking at how even spirituality and religion intersect yeah. in that, okay, so that they're kind of, that there's a relationship even between the two of them and that um, if, if we're looking at uh, spirituality as being kind of this flame and religion as being kind of the shield um, that protects it, that allows it to continue to to burn, to um, you know, from the elements or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. That sometimes religion as a shield can also become very uh, dogmatic in its yeah. practice. Okay. Do you ever find? I mean, just kind of going with that. Do you ever find that um, religion uh, can? I don't know if this is the way to put it or not, but like extinguish that sense of spirituality in people. You know, I think sometimes I, I do think that. I mean, oh, I mean, religion can bring great comfort. Uh, I used to be an interfaith chaplain working in healthcare um, before becoming a therapist, and religion can bring great comfort. I think at its best, religion is about community, uh, mm. and it's about a shared cultural. Uh, experience and and it allows great bonding between people, um, ready bonding sometimes. But but yes, I think uh, your question, Serena, is a great one. And there's absolutely in every religion, and I'll use my tradition of Zen Buddhism, Zen Buddhism as well. There are sad periods uh, of unskillful behavior, to put it charitably. <laughs> in all <laughs> religious history, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yes, there's, there's always room for growth. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yes, yes. In, in all kinds of ways, actually. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> on, the in, in the, on the individual micro level and the macro level. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and even within that, there is a relationship. Because, you know, what I'm hearing yeah. is that, like, spirituality can be a very individualized practice, especially yeah. if you're defining it as like how we create meaning in our life, what what gives us our essence of happiness, how we how we bond um, with ourselves and other people, whereas religion tends to be this broader um, uh, the word I liked that you used was skill. It's mm. like a broader skill of how people can relate to each other, what's expected, you know, what, what are, what's appropriate behavior, that kind of a thing. Right. Well, and I think in an ideal sense, um, they don't have to be dichotomous. They can be overlapping and interrelated. Uh, Uh Religion when it, yeah, religion when it, and I'll say this as an ordained Zen priest, religion when it loses its spirituality, 
Mm-hmm. I think we have a problem. <laughs> you know? mm, okay. Uh, and, and, and religion can enhance spirituality. I'll, I'll, and, and, and I think there's, like when we talk about spiritual wellness, how do we define it? Uh, because spirituality can be absolutely understood in very kind of humanistic terms, in a sense, secular terms. Um, mm. and, and I do think there's this kind of irreducible joyfulness to spirituality uh, that maybe you don't find in other venues. And I'll give an example. Uh, and this, this doesn't just happen in a Zen setting, but I'll, you know, my cultural context is Zen Buddhism. One of my cultural contexts is Zen Buddhism. So I'll use a Zen example. Okay. Several years ago, uh, I was doing a silent retreat. Uh, silent meditation is a big part of Buddhism. And, uh, you know, it was a week-long retreat. Gosh, I don't know, probably meditating eight, ten hours a day. Um, wow. Yeah, <laughs> so lots wow. of meditation. And uh, yes, um, although that, that brings up an interesting issue too. You know, how often, Serena, in our busy society, do we get to be alone with ourselves? I was just going to ask that because yeah. it almost sounded like a full-time job. <laughs> well, <laughs> I met and, and, Go ahead. Yeah, well, yeah, well I was just, yeah, uh, I love your question. And self-care matters. Um, I almost feel like I'm putting on my therapy hat, <laughs> you know, my therapist <laughs> hat, uh, <laughs> because, because self-care really, really matters. Um, yes. And if we don't care for ourselves, uh, we're going to run into trouble too, you know, and um, we can't in our busy lives, maybe we're working, maybe you're a parent, maybe you have many commitments and responsibilities, maybe we can't get as much self-care time as might be ideal. But it's also, to come back to that term we were talking about earlier, it's also about skillfulness. How can we skillfully support ourselves in the moment? Um, it's not just about, like, big, it's great if you can go for, you know, I, I, so now I have two kids, right, and I'm, you know, a psych- I'm a therapist in Austin, Texas, and, you know, two kids working full-time, I'm a writer. You know, I don't go on, I haven't gone on silent retreats in several years. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Busy lives. But, yeah, right. But but how can we find little moments of skillfulness and self-care, and how can we weave those into the daily fabric of our lives? That's an important question. That, yeah, and that is a great question, because one of the words that you used with um, spirituality in, in trying to kind of distinguish how they're different and similar was that um, you used the word insight, with spirituality. Mm. And and I think, you know, I've often heard from individuals and, um, you know, just uh, general readings that I've done, things of that nature about how, you know, spirituality is such an individualized um, discipline because yeah. it is really about insight that a person has in their own existence mm. and, and things of that. What What's your thoughts on that? Well, I love what you're saying, and I, yes, uh, what you're saying I think is 100% true, and what I'm also intrigued by is uh, the flip side of that, which I think is true, is when we have kind of, and, and religion is one skillful rubric for this, when we have shared spiritual experiences communally, together. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so getting back to what I was saying earlier, I was on this I guess it was probably a five or seven day silent retreat, and yeah, we were easily meditating eight to ten hours a day is a is a fair estimate. And you know what were we doing? Well, largely we were sitting together in silence, and we were all sitting on our little meditation cushions, and we're sitting there in silent meditation, and 
we each had our little cushions in our spots. And then one day, because, you know, everybody pretty much also had jobs, and I had just, I had the luxury of taking a week off vacation to do that. Um, and then halfway through the week, one of the people who was sitting next to me on my right left because they had to go back to work. And, you know, I didn't actually know that person well. Um, right. We didn't, it was a silent retreat. Uh, and so we didn't talk, uh, but there was a way that when this person was gone, things were different. And, and I, can't, mm-hmm. I can't actually put any words on that, but uh, not that things were worse necessarily, but it was just kind of like the mood or the presence was somehow different. And so I think our relationship with each other matters. Our connection to each other matters. And I think a lot of times we communicate to each other and sometimes in the most profound ways, we communicate to each other through silence and through our presence. So in some respects, there, I mean, the, what comes to my mind as you're saying this is that there's a certain energy yeah. that, that we have. And when we are in a spiritual place or even perhaps a religious place, that that energy is somehow... Um, more alive, maybe. I don't. I I, th- I like your word of alive. Um, okay. Yeah, I like your word of alive a lot because, you know, the truth is that, uh, and we t- we used the term mindfulness earlier. Um, mindfulness, according to the mindfulness, is something that's used a lot in mental health, a lot in psychology, a lot in therapy. Um, mindfulness arose uh, in Buddhism in India, two thousand years ago, and in the mythology of Buddhism, mindfulness was created because the historical Buddha, he lived a bit of a sheltered life. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. You know, maybe a spoiled existence a little bit. And, uh, you know, then he came to uh, what the great existential psychiatrist Irv Yalom talks about, the kind of existential givens of existence, you know, and so in the mythology of Buddhism, the Buddha literally went out beyond the palace walls, he encountered an old man, he encountered a sick man, and then he encountered a corpse, he encountered somebody who died, and he felt sad, as we all do when we encounter those existential inevitabilities, and so according to the mythology of Buddhism, he literally, he tried all these different techniques, and then kind of you know, with firm resolution, sat down and did what we now call mindfulness meditation to kind of overcome uh, the existential terrors that are universal in human existence. And so through that great suffering, sometimes we can find our happiness. Oh, and on that note, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. better voice america health and wellness how is your health do you want to know more about it every day there are new technologies procedures and healing techniques coming forward to understand them tune in to speaking of health with dr michael cudless our guests come from different backgrounds in the fields of health and healing we'll discuss new realities and modalities from chiropractic to metagenics it's all designed to improve your quality of life 
Speaking of Health is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Take charge of your fitness and take charge of your healthy life. Listen for Be Fit for Life with your host, Chad Austin. Think back over the past week, the past month, the past years. Are you like a lot of other people? Too busy with the kids, work, travel, social calendars, business calendars, the day, the night, this and that. Make the decision to be healthier. Just do it. Chad Austin has made a living from motivating people to stop excuses and make fitness a priority in their lives. Tune in every Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Moving Forward, Wellness One Step at a Time with Dr. Serena Wathwa. If you have a question or comment for the show today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Serena Wathwa at gmail.com. That's Dr. Serena W-A-D-H-W-A at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. All right, and welcome back. We're talking with Dr. David Suniga. I hope I said that right. Sure. <laughs> and excellent about spiritual wellness. And, you know, in the last um, segment, we talked a little bit about what spirituality is, what religion is. And it, and it sounds like that there are a lot of similarities as well as several differences, um, related to that. And, you know, one of the things that came to mind for me was I'm curious how your perspective on, you know, the why religion gets such a bad name sometimes. Because you know, we never really hear yeah. about these, um, about, you know, people that have been extremist in spirituality. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> we we well, only. I, you, you, <laughs> yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I, you know, I, there are, I think, kind of. Mm, individual leaders who are very charismatic under kind of spiritual guide, guises who uh, have done destructive things. Um, I do think some of the question of religiosity, you know, sometimes religion is its own worst enemy. <laughs> you know, sometimes religion does it to itself, I think, and, and does harmful things and, and needs to be called on the carpet for that justifiably. And I, I do think some of it's a manifestation of culture. Um, you know, we're in the United States, and the United States, especially compared to other cultures, other countries, we are an incredibly individualistic society, uh, which I think presents its strengths and challenges. It's not all a bad thing, but I think sometimes the way, like our market emphasis on spirituality, which in a lot of ways is really great, uh, I think that's a bit of a manifestation of American culture itself. Um, because we are so individualistic, if that makes sense. Yeah, completely. I mean, you know, that's often something that I hear, like even with clients that I work with is, you know, that, and we talk a lot about the differences among or between American culture and other cultures, even, you know, like what you talked about earlier with relationships, with mm. how do you make sense of experience? How do you understand your own happiness? Yeah. You know, how it, those kinds of pieces of 
spirituality. And, you know, I wonder what you think about, like, you know, oftentimes, and I know we talked just a little bit about this before, um, when you and I had a conversation before today about, um, uh, you know, like spirit, there is a lot of, um, what's the word I'm looking for, (laughs) thinking out there that, a lot of the issues that come about for individuals is a lack of spirituality. Yeah. And and yet there are many atheists, many agnostics out there that do, you know, that are fine. They're healthy, they're well, and they don't have this spiritualness. So I'm curious what your, what your thoughts are about that. Well, it's, yeah, it's a great question. So you see to, some kind of rising cultural trends. For example, um, in the United States currently, um, there's more and more people who would say they are not affiliated with a religious tradition. I mean, that kind of demographic is growing rapidly. Uh, And also in the United States, uh, people who identify as atheist and agnostic. uh, Some polls indicate 20-25% of the population depending on how the question is asked. Uh, so atheism and agnosticism is on the rise. Uh, people who do not associate with any religion is on the rise. And um, just to kind of add a, a complexity uh, to our conversation, we tend to think of you know, religion or belief in God at, at, and atheism as opposites. Yes. But I think they, yeah, but I think there's actually a lot more commonality than we might say. For example, even within traditional religions like uh, Christianity, for example, um, there's a lot of what we might call mystical theology or um, what's sometimes called negative theology, which is to say that if you believe in a god or gods, um, you know, a god or gods is by definition ultimate reality. And it does seem to me that ultimate reality ultimately can perhaps never be fully encapsulated or captured or defined by words or language or concepts. Mm. So if you can embrace that kind of mystical and rhetorical perspective, that ultimate reality is never summarized um, by, like, the English language, you know? Right, well, yeah. Um, Yeah, which is just one among many languages, Um, you know? um, You know, if we can't even, you know, put things into words, fully and definitively and completely, which I think is true, um, then that shifts us out of purely dogmatic beliefs and it opens us up uh, to the tabernacle of experience. And so we might think of belief in God or atheism uh, as oppositional, but they aren't necessarily so. That will that may shake some people's foundational belief here. Yeah. <laughs> it mean, might, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it might. I mean, that, you know, because in some respects, it's like, I, I think what I'm hearing, too, is that, you know, I, this idea about how things are so dichotomous. Right. You know, that everything is either black or white. And, right. you know, we oftentimes, I mean, I know, like, just from my own uh, clinical work that I do, I work with a lot of individuals that struggle with that. Yeah. And, you know, it just how how some sometimes we need to put things in box A or box sure. Z, and that that's not necessarily the case. That we what you're suggesting is that we need to be more open to right. 
to ultimately that we're not going to be able to categorize everything. Right. Well, yes, and I'll give, I mean, yeah, I think that this is a great topic related to spiritual wellness. Uh, so I'll give myself as an example. Uh, okay. I'm married. Um, yeah, uh, I'm married. I, I have two children. Um, you know, you can never fully encapsulate. You can be the greatest philosopher. You can be the greatest poet. Um, you can be a great rhetorician. You can never fully define the joy of falling in love or mm. the joy of having a child. You, you cannot fully put that into words, I do not right. think. Um, and yet people have children every day. People get married every day. People fall in love every day. Um, you can never even definitively, definitively, 100% encapsulate the beauty of a sunrise or a sunset. Mm. Um, there's great poetry. There's great essays. Um, but never definitively can you capture that experience. Um, and so if we can't classify that definitively and universally, then how can you classify something like nirvana, enlightenment, mm. God, heaven? How can you define that definitively? So given that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, kind of going back then to spiritual wellness, I mean, what I'm hearing then is that it may not be so much then about looking at how spiritual wellness or religion is defined for the mass. It may be more about how do you define it for yourself and then connect it to the mass. Well, I, I think um, you have to be authentic to who you are and you have yeah. to find a path that works for you. Um, so I'll use my children as an example again. Uh, I'm Zen Buddhist. I really like Zen Buddhism. <laughs> you know, um, but, but, you know, if my kids aren't Buddhist, then that's great, too. That's equally great. They have mm -hmm. to define who they are. Um, and what know, works for them. What works for them. That's right. And different things may work for them at different points of their lives. So we definitely have to have the courage to cultivate the authenticity within us to find the skillful path for ourselves. And I do think you know, I'll kind of sound a note for the joy of community. Um, you know, being with others in relationship and having a shared spiritual experience is infinitely valuable and infinitely enriching. Mm. Yeah, so, you know, just to kind of play devil's advocate in sure. the minute or so that we have before break here, I'm curious, <laughs> you know, like with individuals that struggle with, um, you know, that truly believe that, you know, um, relationships or uh, love and all that stuff really doesn't have a place in their um, life. You know, because like yeah. you hear about like individuals when they do um, follow a religious path or they become a priest or they become uh, a nun or they become ordained a monk or whatever the case may be, that they give up a lot of those things. When they say become ordained, they oh I'm sorry I want to take in your question. When they become ordained, do they give up? Like they kind of, that they give up certain things in like relationships and you know things that genuinely generally give people joy, etc. So how does that fit yeah. in terms? Does it, does that make sense? Yes. Well, uh, it's a lot of important ideas. Uh, okay. One thought is I do think sometimes, and it's a great question, I, I do think sometimes we find our parenthood is an example. 
Uh, and not everybody's called to be a parent, and that's okay. But I think sometimes parenthood can be a good example. Uh, or uh, ordination training, I was ordained. Um, you know, we sometimes find our happiness, our highest happiness, through committing to a path, and sometimes through making sacrifice. Um. Um, and I, I think sometimes by giving up some things, closing, up, closing some doors, we open other doors. Um, oh, yeah, that's a really great way to... Uh, let's take a quick break right there, sure. and then we will come right back. Stay tuned. All right. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness. You read about it in health news every day. Cancer rates are going up. Obesity in the U.S. is on the rise. Heart disease and diabetes are top killers every year. We can follow the advice of our doctor, but cravings persist. Weight goes up and energy is still down. It doesn't have to be like this. Tune in for Body Balance Talk with your host, Jeannie Schmidt, along with Lucy and Madeline. You'll learn how you can work with your body to feel better and look better, too. Body Balance Talk airs live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Moving Forward Wellness One Step at a Time with Dr. Serena Wathwa. If you have a question or comment for the show today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Serena Wadwa at gmail.com. That's Dr. Serena W A D H W A at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. All right, and welcome back, and thanks for staying tuned to our show. And we're speaking with Dr. David Zuniga, who's talking about spiritual wellness and all of the different things related to that. And, you know, just before the break, we were um, talking a little bit about, you know, um, like how, well, actually, we were talking about a couple different things. So I'm just going to go with what what's on my mind at this moment here. Sure. But one of the things I had brought up was, you know, how does spirituality um, fit in? Like, it, like, let me take a step back here. So 
See, I have like 5,000 thoughts right now. <laughs> I want <laughs> well, to throw yeah. it all out at you. <laughs> um, let, let me ask you this. So yeah. for listeners that have been listening for the past a little over half an hour now, yeah. what, what kinds of things can you suggest at this particular point that if they wanted to develop their own spirituality or become more spiritually well, what can you suggest for them to start doing? Great question. Um, so a couple different thoughts. One is it definitely depends on the person in the moment. And, and the, the, the biggest, and I think most important and kind of overarching question is what is skillful for you as an individual? Every single individual is like a lotus. And, and sometimes it's hard to embrace that, right? Like, can we, can, like, as soon as I just said every individual is like a lotus, I bet some mm-hmm. listeners... <laughs> Yeah, they said, no, I'm not. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, Otis. <laughs> right. right, what? No. Uh, because, you know, that is uh, an interesting dimension of the human condition, that we uh, can struggle with shame and feelings of worthlessness. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't feel worthy of letting love into our lives. And so, whoever we are, you know, there are questions about what is our cultural context and what are our spiritual or religious beliefs? And, you know, what are the other things going on? Like maybe people have crippling panic attacks or they mm. feel really, really depressed or sad or anxious. Um, so in a sense, there is no one thing uh, that is helpful. Uh, it's a question of what is the skillful thing for the purpose, for the person in the moment, but... Uh, I do believe uh, in the power of mindfulness. I've used mindfulness in a wide array of settings, and I have definitely seen it be very transformative to people. And I do think, uh, whether we're talking about spirituality um, or religion, I I do think community matters. I I do think, I I have a great friend, uh, he's, he's a writer, I was talking with him just the other day, his name's Owen Edgerton, and he said to me um, that we're all called to love. And, and I think there's a lot of truth and wisdom in that. Um, what love means may look differently for people in different cultural contexts, but I think we do exist in relationship to each other. And so whatever, I would really encourage everyone listening um, to find the skillful practice for themselves because uh, beliefs are really great. We talk a lot about beliefs. Beliefs really matter. We are meaning-making creatures for sure. But perhaps even more than meaning-making, um, we need to make that meaning-making an embodied, lived reality. And I think that people who are spiritually well, uh, people who are psychologically healthy and happy, they kind of just exude that when you're around them. Um, and, and so how can we make our beliefs a lived reality? And often, and I'll use myself as an example, I don't know if there's any one thing but there's also often a multiplicity of factors that can cultivate that. Um, you know, for example, uh, I like to meditate. Um, before I had kids and did a PhD, I used to do a lot more long-distance running. <laughs> you know, what, is, what is the skillful practice for us in the moment? Uh, that is the question. And the good news is that there are a lot of great different practices out there, and you don't have to be wedded to just one. So... When you say skillful practice, because I yeah. think that's a great phrase, 
you know, in relation to cultivating your own spiritualness. Yeah. Are are you referring to like activities that people engage in that, um, you know, are solo activities? Are these, you know, skills uh, or practices that are, um, you know, things that are going to bring them like a word that you said earlier, insight. I mean, I guess I'm trying to, under, you know, and for listeners too that may may not may not understand this. Just yeah, yeah. What what exactly do you mean by skillful practices? I know you mentioned mindfulness and yeah. you mentioned running. Um, you know, and I'm going to play devil's advocate. No pun sure. intended there. Um, but just <laughs> kind of, you know. But like, are so are you talking about things that are going to make us? Um, uh, be contemplative that are make us reflect on our lives. Is that what it means to engage in a skillful practice? I think uh, when I well, I think some of it is what is your goal and how do you want to get there. Um, okay, you know, and I'll do I'll say that with clients. You know, like what what mm. is the plan and how are we going to get there? I'll say that to my kids. Like you know, how are you feeling in your body in the moment? What's going to help you? Like, this is language I'll use with children, you know? Like, mm-hmm. um, what's going to make you feel calmer? What's going to mm. make you feel more happy? Um, and, and so let's use a specific example. Uh, let's talk about mindfulness a little bit. Mindfulness can generally be defined as a particular way of paying attention to the present moment of experience non judgmentally. And everything within mindfulness, within your existence, becomes a practice or a vehicle to further your mindfulness. So, for example, um, with mindfulness, you can have, you know, your body, your feelings, your thoughts, um, sounds, sensations all around you. And what you are doing is you are cultivating an awareness of the continual ebb and flow of your existence. Um, you know, like as I'm talking to you right now, Serena, I hear a clock mm-hmm. ticking in the background. Um, I feel a chair that I'm sitting in, you know, my legs are crossed. Um, I hear the sound of my own voice and your own voice. You know, how often in our lives do we slow down and pay attention and really tune into the experience of being alive? How often do we do that? Often we don't. And then all right. of a sudden, yeah, we wake up and we're 80 years old or we're on our deathbed and we say, I have not lived. Um, live right now. Live in the present moment. So with mindfulness, um, and I do this with my clients in talk therapy, in mindfulness, slow down. Pay attention to what's going on. When you can pay attention to what's going on, then you can get great insight. Another manifestation of mindfulness is that, and I know this is a lot of ideas, but another manifestation of mindfulness, and, you know, for example, and this is why mindfulness is such an empirically supported treatment in so many different, you know, setting therapeutic contexts, is because, mm-hmm. you know, whether you have anxiety, whether you have depression, uh, you have these different things, and those things matter, and those things are real, and those things are hard. And what we tend to do <clears throat> is we tend to ruminate we tend to get stuck on something that we're thinking and worrying about. And that is understandable. Like we have developed 
those cognitive patterns, those behavioral patterns, those emotional patterns for a reason. Sometimes we learn those, you know, mm-hmm. in the context that we're in. Um, so it's not that it's not even that it's bad that that right. you've gotten to that point. It's understandable mm-hmm. that you've gotten to that point. Let's be compassionate to ourselves because we're in this hard place. And then with the practice of mindfulness, what you're literally doing, Serena, is you are saying, ah, you know, like you notice your, you know, fear arise or your anger arise or your sadness arise or your chronic pain in your back arise, whatever is the thing that causes you difficulty and you're noticing it and you are practice. See, I'm using the word practice again. Mm -hmm. And you practice, it's not that you're resisting it. It's not that you're denying it. You're also not adding to it. And you are sitting with it. And you're not getting stuck in the experience. And in that mindfulness practice, you are literally getting a practice of seeing things arise and seeing them go. So you have that cognitive thought come into your consciousness. You notice it. You don't deny it. You don't, and you don't add to it. You're not like, oh, I'm so bad for having that sadness, or I'm so bad for having that anger. No, if you do that, you're putting another thing on top of the anger or the sadness. You're putting another brick in the wall. So what we say is, like clouds going through the sky, you cannot control those clouds. You have no control over them, but you notice them go by. And you can even learn to appreciate the experience itself. So a great mindfulness teacher I love, Thich Nhat Hanh, you know, he'll refer to um, his old friend, Anger, you know? <laughs> um, so, and, well, that's and, and, a new one. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and that's right. It's so counterintuitive, and I think it's counterintuitive to a lot of Western culture, but when we try it, it resonates right. in our lives. Um, and so if you sit there and you say, oh, I'm a bad Christian, or I'm a bad Buddhist, or I'm a bad therapist because I feel angry, you know? Um, right. Well, no, you're not. There's actually probably a lot of natural reasons why you feel anger or sadness. Instead, let's change our relationship to the experience itself. That is mindfulness, and that's why we call it a practice. So, so what you're suggesting, so one thing that people can do, I mean, and, and mindfulness sounds like, I mean, because, you know, we've, we've talked about mindfulness on the show before, and it mm. sounds like, I mean, that's like a very um, skillful practice for people, you know, for just wellness in general. Sure. Um, but what Absolutely. I'm hearing you say, too, is that, you know, it, there's a part of it that allows us then to also kind of become more, what's the word I want to use, whole yes. in ourselves, because we're yes. much more aware of what what our entire experience is about and yes. all the nuances with it, that it really brings, it can bring a depth to who we are as a person, and that can also then help cultivate our own sense of spirituality. Absolutely. And I firm, I think that's a great summation, Serena. Uh, and, and I agree 100%. And I think that if you look at all the world literatures, you know, you look at the Bhagavad Gita, you look at the Quran, you look at the Torah, you, you know, you look at the Christian New Testament, you look at any system of texts, you look at any great... Ansang Suu Kyi, His Holiness the Dalai Lama, Martin Luther King, Nelson Mandela, you know, look at any of those folks, look at any of those texts. Um, sometimes when we cultivate great happiness, sometimes when we do great good in the world, 
we will also endure great hardship. Oftentimes in human existence, suffering and joy exist together. And I think sometimes in American pop culture, we're a little unskillful because we think we can be, it's kind of like this fast food notion of happiness. We think we can have one. <laughs> um, You're just you know, bursting my bubble here. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I like my French fries too. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I, I, sometimes if we're going to accomplish, uh, you know, like you want to do a PhD, you want to have a happy marriage, you want to be a good parent, you want to run a marathon, you want to write a novel, whatever is the thing in and of itself, sometimes, uh, oftentimes, the greater the goal, the greater the good, the more sacrifice and things m- that must be endured. Jo- and then that's, that's, a, that's a big dimension of mindfulness philosophy. Sometimes joy and suffering exist together. Mm. And on that note, we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. Cancer is not something to be taken lightly, but instead of being talked at by doctors, medical providers, and others, wouldn't it be nice to hear from a host who has worked at the cancer coalface for 38 years as a caregiver, supporter for 14,000 patients, and who has had the experience of having a life-threatening condition herself? You will hear the stories of survivors and other people who work in breakthrough cancer medicine, navigating the cancer maze with host Grace Goller. We'll help you with the facts, planning, and grief experienced with different forms and stages of cancer. Listen every Friday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. The largest syndicated alternative health talk program has come to the Voice America Network. The Dr. Bob Martin Show is the program that will answer your health questions and help you to heal your own body of many different ailments. Each week, you'll hear the answers that Dr. Bob gives to his callers that help them to be their own doctor most of the time. We'll also discuss developments on the health care front and what you need to do to keep your body in top form. The Dr. Bob Martin Show airs Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Moving Forward, Wellness One Step at a Time with Dr. Serena Wathwa. If you have a question or comment for the show today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Serena Wathwa at gmail.com. That's Dr. Serena W A D H W A at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. All right, and welcome back. Thanks for staying tuned as we are talking about spiritual wellness and many other related topics with Dr. David Zuniga. And before the break, you know, we were talking a little bit, you had mentioned that that there is this kind of unity almost between um, 
when we do great things that there are good things or, you know, things that relate to our own wellness, that there is going to be a unity with some suffering or some sacrifice. Yeah. And that that's just kind of how things are tied together so that the more good that we may be doing, the more that we may actually suffer or need to sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. And, Absolutely. you know, Okay, so and it kind of going backwards a little bit to something you said, you know, you mentioned like one of the thoughts about uh, spirituality is, is that how we are all called to love. Yeah. And, and, you know, the thing that came to mind was I was thinking about like clients, um, you know, of mine and, and students that have expressed even thoughts about, you know, not not experiencing that, not being able to find that, you know, ability or um, find that relationship. And when you say, when you say love, can you talk a little bit more about that? Like what you mean, what you mean that to be in the context of spiritual wellness? Yes, it's a great question. Um, We can define love differently and I think sometimes when we use the word love, we tend to think of romantic love, which is great, mm-hmm. uh, and it's one dimension of love. I think when, when I use the term love, what I think of is a dimension of selflessness, a dimension of sacrifice. Mm. Um, are you joyfully... And, and, you know, we're all imperfect beings, right? We all make mistakes, but... A dimension of love, I think, is that can you step outside of the limit, limited nature of your own consciousness and experience and kind of joyfully celebrate the consciousness and experience of another? Can someone else's happiness become more important than your own? And when you can step outside of that limiting sense of I into the harmonious interconnection of we or elevate someone else to that holy tabernacle above yourself... That's where I think you have love, and I think that's where you have your highest happiness, or one form of it. Well, and that's interesting, because, you know, when we talk about, like, my um, specialty, I work with individuals who struggle with addiction. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that um, we tend to see, or I tend to see, are individuals who are addicted to other people. Yeah. And so they tend to place other people high above themselves. Right. And what that person thinks about them and what that person, um, you know, how the other person's moods are and things of that nature. So I'm, I'm curious, even, you know, just in maybe even in a broader sense, how do you see spirituality and, and how you're conceptualizing love fitting into you know, for individuals that struggle with addiction or mental health issues or, um, you know, don't don't know what their purpose is in the world and feel lost. Yeah, I think, um, so I'm sort of, I'm torn between putting on my spiritual hat or my therapist hat, <laughs> which are not necessarily, <laughs> right? Uh, which are not necessarily different. Um, okay. I think there can be, well, and, and I, I do, uh, you know, one of my clinical interests is, spiritually integrative counseling, um, mm. because we are meaning-making creatures. Uh, you might be atheist, you might be agnostic, um, and we're all meaning-making creatures. We all have suffering in our lives, and we want to be free from that suffering. Um, 
I think related to spiritual wellness, uh, one is I do think relationships matter. And so, you know, maybe people have a lot of shame or, you know, they have interpersonal patterns that do not serve them well and get them caught in cycles of suffering. Um, you know, one therapeutic model I do believe in, um, and, and I've seen it work, is I do think, kind of on a Rogerian note, that you have this unconditional positive regard and you have the sacred space of the therapy room and hopefully over time people can start to feel known and safe and respected and accepted for who they are and that if people really have that um, it's a good question to ask Serena it's worth us all considering how Mm -hmm. often in our lives do we feel truly heard truly respected, how often in our lives do we feel truly free to be authentically who we are without fear of judgment, without Mm. shame, without pretense? Um, How often can we feel completely safe and loved and even celebrated and delighted in? When you have that kind of presence in your life, it is healing, and it allows for a therapy term, uh, corrective emotional experiences, <laughs> um, which is that we can have healing transformation experiences that carry over into other dimensions of our life. And so maybe, you know, you don't want to go off into some Buddhist monastery where you're surrounded by 200 strangers, and that's okay. <laughs> but maybe you have a relationship with your therapist. Maybe you have a relationship with your pet. Maybe you have a relationship with nature. Uh, the birds singing in your garden. There's lots of ways to enter into community. What is the skillful path for the person in question? So that's a really great um, uh, thought for individuals that may be listening and, you know, kind of struggle with their own abilities and and capabilities with other individuals because some people just don't have those skills to connect with other people. And, you know, what I'm hearing you say is that that, okay, that's fine. So let's look at how they have community with nature or with animals or, you know, with, with a purpose, even just giving, like working at a volunteer section or something, you know, so there's lots of different ways that people can cultivate a sense of uh, community or spirituality, developing relationships with other things, quote unquote, and I use that very loosely, um, to make meaning and find true happiness. Absolutely. Yeah, art is another great example of that. Oh, and art. Yeah. Well, you know, we've only got a few seconds left and, you know, we've talked about lots of great things here. And so if listeners want to get a hold of you to talk about what you do, to hear about your book that's coming out, um, you know, just to kind of know where to get more information, how can they contact you? Oh, thanks. Uh, well, the easiest way is probably just through my website, because uh, not everybody's in Austin, Texas, um, yeah. <laughs> which, is just, uh, uh, which is just uh, www. and it's all one word, drdavidzuniga.com. And so Dr. D-R, David, and then Zuniga, Z like zebra, U-N-I-G-A, drdavidzuniga.com. Uh, I welcome questions. Uh, thank Wonderful. you for this conversation, yeah, Serena. Absolutely, <laughs> and thank you for coming on because you've really given some food for thought, no pun intended, because <laughs> we're talking about nutrition, but really given <laughs> right. some, some 
food for your spiritual thought. Um, So listeners, thanks for staying tuned and join us next week when we talk to John Godoy about physical wellness. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. Thanks again for making the first of hopefully many changes this week by tuning in to Moving Forward, Wellness One Step at a Time. Dr. Serena Wadwell hopes that you'll join her again next Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a great week.